Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 797th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who encourages people to grow food and sell their extra produce at a farmer's market. We're talking with John Collett about growing from a home gardener to a market gardener. John is a five-time NCAA Division III All-American in cross-country and track who has gardened off and on for the last 30 years. When he turned 50, he got serious about gardening and now has a 50 by 100 foot vegetable garden along with a separate space for apples, peaches, raspberries, black currants, and cherries. He and his family grow and eat from their garden year-round in Zone 5B, where he grows lettuce, kale, collards, spinach, carrots, beets, garlic, onions, leeks, peas, beans, tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, turnips, kohlrabi, okra, and so much more. And then he found the problem with a garden that big. What do you do with all the extra produce? After listening to the Urban Farm podcast, he was inspired to start selling his extra produce at the farmer's market and found it was easy and a lot of fun. He interacted with people who are interested in the healthy local food, plus providing a service of locally grown food without synthetic chemicals means way more to him than anything he did in his prior career. Welcome to the show today, John. Are you ready to rock gardening? Yeah, let's talk gardening, Greg. Awesome. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? I started gardening back in the 90s. As a kid, my grandfather grew great carrots for Thanksgiving. And I thought, I'm going to try my hand at gardening. And uh, first couple of years back then, everything's rototilling. I didn't use chemicals, but I didn't have very good success the first year or two. Over time, you learn, you get better, and now my garden's all the way up to 50 by 100 feet. Whoa, and, uh, that's a big garden. It is a big garden, but with uh, no-dig techniques, you really have less weed pressure, 
and it's, I got wood chips down for my paths and a nice fence around it to keep the rabbits out. And it, it works just fine. <laughs> nice. And what possessed you back in the 90s to start growing your own food? I, I did as much for mental health reasons as I did for having a little bit of food. Again, I just go back to my grandfather's carrots and how good they tasted. And anything I did get to grow, man, it tasted so much better than what you could buy at the supermarket. And so I, I just started small. It was maybe 10 by 10. And, uh, and then it was 10 by 20. And the next thing was 20 by 20. And now it's 50 by 100. <laughs> <laughs> right? So as we walk up to your gardens, and you have a greenhouse too, can you paint a picture of what we're, we're looking at? Okay, so let's talk about the main vegetable garden. So I got apple trees to the north, cornfield to the east. Yeah, full sun to the south, afternoon shade to the west with a shed, a house, a big oak tree. Uh, I got 18 cattle panel arches that you walk wow. through. You got wood chips in the middle. I grow tomatoes, beans, Malabar spinach up that. So you get this fragrance, right? There's a distinctive smell that tomatoes have. Right. And so you move through the garden. I got flowers interspersed with all the vegetables. So you get a symphony of chirps, trills lists, rattles, all kinds of insects going crazy. And it's just great. It's nature's symphony. And I just can't describe how enjoyable that is. I got a cottage garden feel. I, I do have formal rows that are about four feet wide with 18 inch paths of wood chips in between. I kind of let the squash ramble all over. I got yeah. sunflowers leaning over, taking over rows and I got to step over them and move around them. Uh, I got root crops abound. Lots of carrots, parsnips, uh, garlic, onions, uh, um, leek, beets. I got dahlias, tithonia, sunflowers. Um, I got feathery asparagus growing on the north side of the garden. Wow. Uh, so I got a lot of different things going. I kind of rebel against being the work world where I had everything very organized, very disciplined. I wanted some freedom. I wanted just to let it roll. I think yeah. diversity is the key to being a good organic gardener. And my place that I moved from in Phoenix that I lived for 32 years, there was an, one of the systems that I put in place was that I let things go to seed and they just came back year after year without me planting them. They came back as volunteers. Are you doing any of that kind of work? I do a little bit of that. I'll, I like moving my tomatoes around. Mm -hmm. So I'll take some of my tomatoes, just the whole tomato, and I'll just put them right where I want them to grow. Sometimes they grow, sometimes they don't. I have backups coming from indoors, so it all works. Nice. <laughs> when I found the volunteers, they can be stronger. Oh, uh, they usually are stronger. They're usually, they always are earlier to yield. They tend to be fatter as seedlings and they just, mm -hmm. they're just more, they're just more productive all the way around. I, nature's got it down, man. We try to, <laughs> we try to beat it, but nature wins. <laughs> Nature always bats last, according to Toby Hemingway. I agree with that. You have this massive garden for a home garden. And dun, 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 you have a problem all of a sudden. Can you tell me about your problem? Without even trying, I'm growing over 2,000 pounds of produce, and I have so much, I, I give it away. I, I had so much, I didn't know what to do with it. 
we took all we wanted. We gave our, our family members stuff. We gave, I still have, I'm saying, I still got hundreds of pounds each week. What am I going to do with all this? I just sent a, a little five minute email to the, the local farmer's market in uh-huh. Ottawa, Illinois. And I got an email back and uh, they said, come on down, bring your produce. So I wasn't sure I wanted to do it again. So I just took a couple card tables, a couple tablecloths, and a couple hundred pounds of tomatoes, squash, uh, (laughs) whatever else I had at the time. And I ended up selling a bunch of it. And I ended up interacting with people. And the people that go to farmer's markets are great people. Right. They're generally upbeat. They're thankful that you're there. They're just really good people. I I had... bunch of great conversations with people and ended up just having a ball. Wow. So hold on here. It was as simple as sending them an email and they well, yeah, emailed I, you I, back. I looked up the farmer's market online. Yeah. And so they had an email address and I sent the, the lady an email and said, Hey, could I bring some produce to your farmer's market? And she sent an email back. I'm going to paraphrase it. Something like, yeah, come on down. We set up at 730. I'm like, okay, I'll be there. That was it. Wow. Wow. And then do do they take your sales or? It was like 10 bucks. Wow. And tell me about some of the interactions that you had with people at the market. So I get there and there's right when the market opens, there's a bit of a rush. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are coming through and this one lady comes through and she's probably in her 60s and she buys a few beets, a few tomatoes and and says, why are you doing this? I look at her. I say, the reason I'm doing this is because I think it makes the world a little bit better. I I, I can provide organic produce to people and maybe you're going to be a little healthier. She looks at me and she says, really? I'm like, yeah, I grew all this. I could compost it. I've given away everything that I can. And she just says, thanks and leaves. We ended up talking for another 10 or 15 minutes. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> and it, did, you had multiple interactions with people like that, I'll bet. Oh, yeah. There's people. We, we um, my, my daughter, I grew some flowers in my garden as well. I cut some of those and I was giving those away to people. And I, was, I, I sold a few bouquets. But everybody is just so friendly. I, the, the conversations were really varied. I talked about all kinds of things with people. But that social interaction, I think our society is such that it's about independence and rugged individualism and making money. And I don't buy that. I think we're social and I think helping other people, providing meaningful service is much more important than how big your bank account is. So I did something similar to what you're doing at the market back when I went back to college. The first time I was at Arizona State University, I got a 0.5 grade average. It was 1981. I got two Ds and an F. I flunked out of college, hated it with a passion. Um, And ended up back at Arizona State University in 1999 when I was 39 years old and really enjoying it that time. And one of the things that I did during my undergraduate three years was I used to go to the market every Wednesday. I'd start in the front yard and I'd get up really early on a Wednesday morning. I'd start in the front yard. I'd harvest whatever there was to harvest in the front yard. And then I'd uh, harvest the backyard and I'd go to the market. And 
invariably the flowers, and this is what keyed in this memory for me, the flowers would go first. Okay. It was amazing to me how quickly people were interested in the flowers. And, and the other thing that I learned from being at the market was that if I was there every week, my business was always better. Yeah. I haven't had that chance to be there every week. I just started last August. So I'm, mm-hmm. I've, I've gone to four, uh, the same market times. Mm-hmm. I, no planning, no preparation. I still probably pulled in 500 bucks. Just for having fun. Yeah, that was about my experience. And then what I would do <laughs> when I was done at the market is I would go to my favorite restaurant in Phoenix, who it was a lunch hour restaurant. And so I'd go at two o'clock after the market and I'd take her whatever I had left over. Oh, and I would yeah, just, that's a good idea. Yeah, I would just donate it to her and uh, she'd feed me lunch. Oh, what a deal. <laughs> right? Yeah. So <laughs> this whole market thing is a fun thing. And one, you emailed me and told me what you were doing. And I said, oh, man, I want to tell this story because it is with the abundance of that comes from nature and the ease at which we can get to markets these days. It's super simple and fun, right? It is. It's. I just can't describe how much fun I I had doing it. For me, I, I'm I'm the only one in my family that gardens, so it's me out there by myself, and it's very mentally. It's great. First hour or two is great. Sometimes a long day out there, you're you're looking for some social interaction. Mm-hmm. And by going to the market, I'm proud of all the stuff I grew, and it tastes pretty good, and it's grown without any chemicals, synthetic chemicals. Water is a chemical. Right. And just being able to share it and giving some of my extra flowers to little kids, little girls, and seeing <laughs> their face light up. I mean, it, it just feels good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so on the home front, what do you do? You have this massive amount of produce that you're producing. What do you do with it at home? So we, we let's, start, let's start with tomatoes. Tomatoes, we'll, we'll make um, some sauce with it. We'll dehydrate them. And then we'll throw a bunch of tomatoes in the freezer for processing later. Black currants. I had three black currant bushes. Got 20 quarts of black currants out of those what? three. Three little bushes. quarts? 20 quarts. And that's the, that excludes what I ate while I was picking. <laughs> right? Wow. And raspberries. I probably, this was, I, I just put raspberries in two years ago. So I really didn't harvest any this last year. But then the second year, I'm picking and eating raspberries. And again, it's three plants and it started as three, but raspberries have a way of propagating themselves. And I end up again with 15, 15 plus quarts in the freezer of raspberries. It's wow. just, it's just so abundant. It's, I, I yeah. just don't understand why people don't grow more of their own food. And it's, I got a little bit of a cold storage thing going, like a root cellar type thing. So I can put um, some beets and carrots and things in there. Um, wow. I hang cool. all the garlic and give a bunch of garlic away. I think I had... 400 cloves this year of garlic. So. Oh, really? Have you ever I, mean, I eat about... a lot of garlic, but I give away a lot too. And yeah. it was really popular at the farmer's market. If, if you do want to get into a farmer's market, throw some garlic, you'll garlic. sell it. There you go. 
So have you thought about donating some to maybe a local shelter or have you done any of that? I, I have thought about that and I'm, I'm somewhat resistant to that because there's a, some, I don't know, some proverb about give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach uh, a man how to fish, he'll eat for his life. Yeah. So I'm establishing a teaching garden at the local library where we're going to promote it and we're going to have it available to the public. And I'm going to teach people how to grow a garden, everything from killing the lawn with cardboard boxes all the way to producing and saving seeds at the very end. Wow. I think that to me, that's a lot better use of my my skills and that aligns more with my values. Perfect. I love it. And so your future is bright with gardening. And Yeah, definitely. I go back to when I first started gardening, it was my grandfather's carrots. And then I tried some things. And then when I knew it was really going to be something that I was going to do was I grew some Brussels sprouts and I was busy working. I don't know, we had two or three kids at the time, young kids under the age of five. And so I neglected it and left the Brussels sprouts out there, right? So here it is, uh, end of January, early February, and we get a blizzard come through. So Mm -hmm. it got down to minus 27 Fahrenheit. And we had two to three foot drifts of snow. And all out in the yard is either white snow or trees that are dormant because all the leaves are gone. Mm -hmm. And my wife said, oh, we sh- you should go get those those Brussels sprouts. I'm like, ah, they're just going to be mush. They're not going to be worth it. But I trudge out there. It warmed up to maybe minus 15. Oh, Lord. So sunshine and it's the afternoon. And um, so I go out there with a snow shovel and an axe. And shovel an axe? on the Brussels sprouts. Well, I needed the axe because it was frozen solid. So I, I, I'm like chopping a tree down. <laughs> chopping that, that Brussels sprout plant down. And so I bring the Brussels sprouts in and we let them thaw for a few hours. And my wife cooks them up for dinner. To this day, I've never had a Brussels sprout that sweet. It was unbelievable how wow. good that Brussels sprout tasted. That was the point I knew. I'm like, I'm going to be gardening the rest of my life. This is just great. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And that's how nature works. It's amazing to me. And you said something in our pre-conversation that you found that growing stuff outside seems to be tastier and sweeter than stuff growing in your greenhouse. And do you think that has something to do with the cold? I do. After we had those great tasting Brussels sprouts, my wife looked up and she found something about how when vegetables get really cold, preferably Mm -hmm. below freezing, they excrete something like antifreeze and that antifreeze is essentially sugars so it increases the amount of sugars inside of the actual oh, actual no. vegetable and so that's the reason why anything that's if you harvest greens like your kale or your asian greens or your lettuce after a frost it's always mm-hmm. sweeter than if you harvest it in the middle of the summer and having a greenhouse, it's great. You can carve any year round. You can grow stuff. But I've found that the taste isn't, everything's really big in the greenhouse. Probably one and a half times the size is what's in the, what's outside. Mm-hmm. But it's just not, the taste isn't quite there. It's not quite as good as what's outside. You know, Mother Nature knows what she's doing. We, <laughs> we're just along for the ride. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that incredible story. I love your story. Thanks. Okay.
So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it. Okay, so I was a, a runner in, in high school and college and, and still am to today, but one of my life goals was to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. Wow. And I didn't make it. I, I missed it by two minutes. They learned that for people that don't know, that's less than, that's one second per lap on a track. If you want to break it, do the math on it. Oh, wow. But I learned life goes on. People in my life still care for me. You learn that health is more than sleep, diet, and exercise. It's meaningful service to others and building meaningful relationships are really emotionally rewarding and really critical for a long and healthy life. Wow. One second per lap was the yeah. difference there, huh? Wow. Yeah, that was how much I missed it by. It was, it was tough. I was depressed for a long time. A lot of former Olympians and they accomplished Olympic medals and all that, they after their careers and they, they go through some depression and uh, I definitely yeah. can relate to that. Yeah. And <clears throat> what do you consider your biggest success? It's the simple things. It's learning to enjoy the miracle of watching a seed germinate, watching it, cultivating it, turning it into something that you can eat. I've had all kinds of great accomplishments in my life and everybody, great career, great running career, winning national titles. And those are all temporary. They were great. The next day you realize you got to work harder to make the next one. And just the simple joy of watching a seed germinate, eating what you grew. It's that's it. There's, you get so much joy from, I do anyway, I get so much joy from that. Yeah. Well, and this sounds like the answer to your next question as well. And that's what drives you. Like what's yeah, your what big why? Me, it's about providing meaningful service to others. I'm like teaching kids how to swim, helping people grow their own food. I'm going to be doing teaching gardens uh, at the library. And we're going to, we're going to have a whole series of classes where I get people there and we're going to take seeds and we're going to germinate them and we're going to grow things and then we're going to harvest them and then we're going to save the seeds. I hope that I can inspire people to help grow their own gardens. I think that's great giving people food, but really what drives me is teaching people how to grow their own food. I think yeah. that's a, a lot more valuable and a lot more long lasting than uh, giving somebody some tomatoes so they can eat for the day. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? So there's a book called American Assassin. It's by Vince Flynn. It's a work of fiction. Uh-huh. And the main character is Mitch Rapp. And he goes and basically does the dirty work for the CIA. But this is all fiction. But he does, a part of me wants to be Mitch Rapp. And I really relate to it. And it's just a fun book. Cool. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? So I'd challenge everybody to make the world a better place by eating a plant-based, nutrient-dense diet and growing your own food. be very rewarding. Uh, I think that would increase everybody's health span if we all did that. Just think that would make a lot of people happy. Yep, I am on board with that. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, John. Thank you for having me, Greg. I'm honored. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, you bet. Like I said, when I got that email from you on how you you took your garden to the market it was like oh these are the stories that that i want to share with people especially how easy and fun you've made it so thank you for that thank you greg so how can our listeners get a hold of you john's heritage garden at gmail.com perfect you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash john's heritage garden 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.